Hi everybody, I'm Mike Hancock, the chairman of the Circle of Excellence group of companies. And today we have from 16 Hours, Sean Wasso, who's had a very inter interesting journey towards becoming a health guru. And he's got a very interesting take on health and lifestyle. And he's definitely a fit and healthy man himself, you know, uh, if you can get him off the water because he does like sailing to actually... Uh, to you know, come and you know, sit in his office and, and consult with clients. But Sean's journey was uh, he's basically been an engineer, worked in Australia for a number of years, um, returned to South Africa, and through his own personal journey, found out that uh, health was not only the thing that he needed to attain himself, but was also something that really captured him and captured his passion to wanting to help other people around the world. Welcome, Sean. Lovely to see you today. Hi, Mike. Thank you so much for that introduction. It's good to be here. It's great to have you on. And I want to dig back and let's just go back into your, um, your past and just give us a bit of background on you and what you were doing before you got into the health journey that you've been on now for a number of years. Mm, thank you very much. Yeah, I, um, my story actually started... More than 20 years ago, um, I um, have always been um, concerned about my weight. I've, um, I'm, <laughs> I always talk about people that are um, genetically very well endowed when they are able to pick up weight very quickly. So people normally think, how, how do you say, well, um, our species actually were able to survive going through famines and that type of thing. And the people that survived were the people that were able to actually store enough energy to make it through the, through the um, a famine. So anyway, so I'm genetically superior in my mind because I store fat very well. Um, and I've always had this thing, you know, I didn't, I never wanted to be overweight. And so 20 years ago, I decided that I was overweight and I needed to do something around the old school thinking of moving more and eating less. So I decided to move really a lot and I ran the Comrades Marathon, not once, but twice. And for those that you don't know, the Comrades Marathon, that's a 90 kilometer um, ultra marathon um, that you do. So in those two years, I managed to actually lose only five kilograms, but I ran over 2,000 kilometers um, in the process of training and that type of thing. And I just gave up after that. Well, you know what? I've, I've done what people said I need to do to lose weight. And then um, sure, about nearly a, more than a decade later, I went on this amazing trip with my daughters. Uh, we spent time in Italy and France came back, looked at the photographs at this one photograph I just looked at, I went, something's wrong. Got on the scale, I was 105 kilograms, I was clinically obese, my body mass index was um, over 25, uh, over 30, I was obese, and also um, my uh, blood glucose was starting to inch upwards, upwards, upwards into the pre-diabetic level, and I was also chronically, I had low levels of inflammation. You can just see that there was inflammation in my body and I could feel it as well. I was suffering from gout um, and so forth. So, and then I'm an I'm a, um, engineer by um, education and my mind works that way, process engineering. I'm an industrial engineer. 
So I went root cause analysis. Okay, what is causing this? What's happening to me? And I got to a stage where I realized that energy toxicity was my problem. I was just putting too much energy in my body and how do I work this out? And then slowly but surely got to a point where I figured out a way that works for me to lose weight, went on my own program and I lost 25 kilograms in 18 months. In the same time, I actually killed off my um, higher blood glucose. That came down to um, levels that I was happy with. Um, I was starting to train and enjoy um, exercising again, you know, just more vitality, more energy, feeling more healthy and obviously not carrying an extra 25 kilograms around helped a hell of a lot for that. So, um, and then people started asking me, what did I do? How does it work? Started helping family and friends and slowly but surely that grew into really what my passion is to be able to help people, to be a teacher in what I've experienced as a very good program that we now call 16 Hours for Life. And we say we, talk, we take back control of our health by being conscious, eating consciously, and also then being able to form new habits and new relationships with food. And that, in a nutshell, is where we are now. Um, a fantastic overview, and thank you so much, because I think health is such a... Um, it's almost a Pandora's box for people. Once they get involved... They go on all these sorts of things. I remember one of the directors of uh, the Circle of Excellence group. I mean, I would call her, she's been a friend of mine for over 20 years, and I would call her a health nut. But mm. she's probably, she's tall. She's probably five foot 11, say, what's that, 176 or something like 177 centimeters. But she would still weigh a good 78 to 80 kilos. She's a big woman. And she's at the gym 5 a.m. every day. She basically grows her own vegetables and eats them, um, you know, but nothing she's ever done. Yoga retreats once a year, fasting, all the box and dice. No, nothing she's ever done has actually done anything for her, for her to lose weight as one thing. And, of course, weight comes with its association of other things that goes wrong with you. And, and I remember, you know, in 2017, um, you know, we've got Natasha on the call. She's from the U.S., so she knows this better than anybody else. But I, we were living in the U.S. for a few months, and we set up our base there. And, you know, we got down to sharing salads because there's just too much food. And I was still putting on weight sharing salads. And I remember we went to the supermarket, organic whole food supermarket one day, and Lundy went shopping and I got on the scales and I was looking depressed sitting by myself and she came back. She said, what's wrong with you? I said, I've been on the scales and I'm the same weight as Homer Simpson. She goes, <laughs> how do you even know what Homer Simpson weighs? And I said, they said it in one episode and it stuck in my mind that if I ever become 220 pounds, which yeah. is basically 100 kilos, right? Um, I am, you know, Homer Simpson. And that day I hit 220. And so... Um, I made it a diet adjustment then. Alandi decided we, before that, we were eating healthy, but we we're eating a lot of oats in America. And it was oats that was putting weight on me. And then I went into banting. And for five years, banting worked for me. I lost 17 kgs. Yeah. Um, I got down, I even got as light as 81, which was sort of my sports playing weight. Mm -hmm. um, I'm 85 now. So, and then 
banting just stopped working for me. And even though I had the same diet, I started putting on weight again. Mm. And, and then recently, about two months ago, we changed, we changed to vegan. So I went, I flipped the switch. I went from banting, you know, pork bellies and, and chops and all the, the things like that to full score, low fat vegan. And I've lost three kilos since in the last two months. Uh, I'm calling this my wedding fit body. So, um, yeah. but, uh, and I, I haven't missed it. So I'm really interested, Sean, in how does one know what's right for them? Mm. Very, very good question. And I can tell you right now, you're going to ask a hundred people and a hundred people will tell you what is right for them. And that's really why this program that um, I've developed, developed gives you guidelines of what to eat recommendations and then you find your way around your lifestyle to see what works for you so i mean there are uh, and this program then what it also does is it teaches the principles of how your body works the basic stuff and we go and we say there are we focus on three things which really really if you look at all metabolic disease states or let's call it lifestyle diseases you can pretty much look at three types, three symptoms. One is being overweight. If you're overweight, then something is, is happening. You need to look at that. Or you've got higher blood glucose levels than what you should have. So something is going wrong there. Or you've got higher levels of chronic um, inflammation. Now, as it works out, our body actually manages all of uh, People would say, okay, I'm overweight. Or they would say, overweight causes higher blood glucose or higher blood glucose causes overweight or whatever the case might be. And part of my investigation and where I went from a root cause analysis, if you drill past those three states, you actually come down to a very, very close association with increased blood, um, blood glucose, but also increased, increased insulin levels. Those two go hand in hand. And as it works out, increased blood glucose levels causes increased insulin because that is just your body's response to manage your blood glucose levels. And that, as we all know, very highly associated with insulin resistance, which, by the way, the best way to see whether you're insulin resistant is to check your waistline and to see if your waistline is actually half that of your length. So if your waistline is more than half of your length, you are probably insulin resistant to some degree. Now, once you say that you are insulin resistant or you've got any one of those other three um, symptoms of metabolic disease, it's very important to have a look at what your energy intake is. And one, uh, we, we come across the concept of energy toxicity. Your body is constantly having to deal with too much energy. And remember, energy comes from carbohydrates and from fats and a combination of those two. So if your body is not managing the amount of carbohydrates and fats we are putting into our body, we start getting these dis-ease states that play itself out. Um, so what our program does is it goes and says, what is the most sustainable way to get enough nutrients into your body that your body require without going into oversupplying your body with energy, whether that energy be fat or carbohydrates. Now, Mike, you mentioned you were uh, doing banting and you were losing weight and then you just, you plateau. 
Why? Because banting or a very high fat diet for that matter actually oversupplies your body with energy, whether it being fat or carbohydrates. You know, people try to make the carbohydrates the villain. Too much carbohydrates is bad, yes, but too much fat is also not good for you. So it's finding that balance in a sustainable way. So, and there's one thing that all, let's call it diets, um, actually agree upon, whether it's vegan, vegetarianism, banting, carnivore, anything that you can think of, one thing that they all agree on, and that is to cut out highly processed foods because that's putting wrong stuff into our body. doesn't matter which way you look at their high in fructose, corn syrup, and so forth, and so forth. Yeah, I, I, firstly, I think this tip, and I'm going to say it again because I think this was brilliant. Um, if you measure your waist and you double it and mm. your the measurement of your waist is sort of more than half what your height is, you've got a problem so yeah. that you need to address. And I think that's a great tip for everybody listening to this call, everybody watching this call. Mm. Um, and, you know, looking at the people I, I can see on the call, I don't necessarily see this as, as an issue whatsoever, but for those that aren't, I can't see on the call, <laughs> it's a great tip. There's no doubt about that. The second thing that, um, that you sort of alluded to there, which is the, the combinations of things like um, carbohydrates and fat and things like this. And, and what I've learned through the process, because um, Lundy's a very deep research. I, I have to put my hand on my heart and say my research into health is very light. But, um, but I don't necessarily think that I'm, I'm uh, uneducated there because Lundy's research is incredibly deep. Like yeah. she's probably read more than 100 books on various things from various people. And you know, one of the people she likes to follow the most is medical medium. And um, one of the things that we've picked up off him, which is really useful, is to constantly alkaline your system. He swears by um, cell reduce. And I have to tell you that, uh, you know, my whole life I've been pretty healthy. Um, I think the last time I had an aspirin was over 20 years ago. Um, I've never taken any sort of form of supplements. I don't allow people to inject stuff into me, whatever it is. You know, um, I don't go to the doctor. Um, I don't go to the hospital, you know, all of that sort of stuff. I, I've, I've been very lucky, touch wood. Um, and my blood pressure is pretty good these days for somebody my age, et cetera, et cetera. So all of those things taken into account. Um, the thing that really, the only thing that I ever had was that turned up for me as a problem, Sean, was um, 25 years ago, I did a corporate medical and it turned out I had hemochromatosis, which by the way, is having too much iron. Mm. Um, you're meant to have somewhere around, you know, 15 on the scale. Mine was at 1500. So it's a lot, right? And I was told that there's no cure for it, that you'll have it for the rest of your life. The only way to do that is to give blood. And I've been giving that. blood regularly ever since. And, but since doing cell reduce a number of years ago, I went and had hemochromatosis checked. It's gone. Doctors say it's impossible. Really? I never could. Have, I never had it. But yeah. uh, if I go into medical medium stuff, this whole process of alkalining your system is one thing. So I'm interested in a comment from you on that. The second thing I'm really interested to pick up here is that as we've been going into this vegan phase and low fat vegan, mm -hmm. um, because 
you know, uh, we're at a hotel at the moment. We're staying at the Sheraton at the moment. So it's a very good hotel. The breakfast had lots of options. But lunches and dinners here, there's not one thing on their menu we can eat. Not one thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, they have a Caesar salad. Can't eat it. Too much fat. Yes, they have a chef salad. Can't eat it. Too much fat. Yes, they have a vegetable soup of the day. Can't eat it. Too much fat. Mm. And I think... Um, and I think when you go and shop the supermarkets, you'll be blown away by the healthy choices at places like, you know, Woolworths and things like that, which are the Pinnacle, Marks and Spencers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, all of the big ones, even Whole Foods uh, Warehouse and places like that, where they have massive amounts of fat in apparently healthy foods. Yeah. So I'm interested in your take on, on that. And then... Um, then I want to follow you up with the question of what do you do first when you get a new client, but I'll leave that one for the moment. So we'll talk about okay. um, alkalining your system and the fat in our shelf foods. Okay. Well, firstly, um, just want to circle back quickly to the concept of what is healthy eating. And for 100 people, there's 100 different um, ways of healthy eating. That's, that's the first thing. Um, uh, from a fat perspective, um, we must remember that the three macronutrients that we are looking at, protein, um, fat, and carbohydrates. Um, firstly, carbohydrates is what we what is termed a non-essential uh, macronutrient. Why is it non-essential? Well, your body manufactures the uh, glucose that you actually need to run the systems in your body. So if you actually not, don't eat any carbohydrates, your body can actually um, manage it to produce the teaspoon of glucose that you actually need in about five liters of blood that's circulating in your body. That's the amount of sugar we actually need in our, in, um, in our system. That, that's the one thing. So then it leaves us with protein and fats. So protein and fats are essential macronutrients. So we definitely have to eat proteins and fats to be able to maintain a healthy body. So, and finding the ratio, the right ratio between proteins, carbohydrates, and fats, that is really crucial. And that's where the individual thing now comes in. What is sustainable for you in your lifestyle? I mean, as you now said, um, uh, you, you've chosen to eat vegan for very good reasons. But now it's difficult to find the foods when you're out, outside of your house and so forth to sustain. It. And that's really where the difficulty starts coming in. The same if you choose to only eat carnivore, you can't walk into a shop. Well, you can into a butchery, sure, but try and walk into a convenience store and try and eat something that's only meat. That's just not possible. We only get um, given the choice of highly processed foods and it becomes difficult to choose the right foods to eat when you choose a specific lifestyle. So that's just that comment. Coming back to your question about fats, um, what, once our bodies are fat adapted, which we really want to be able to do if we really cut down on our carbohydrates, whether you eat carnivore, vegan, wherever you are, it's fine. Your body can then tap into the fats that it requires from its own fat stores. So if you go through meals and you actually um, say, well, you've got a salad, but there's either too much or too little fat in your available meals, that's actually fine as long as you don't eat carbohydrates with those fats because your body will just let the fat circulate in your body and actually get rid of the excess energy. You might not lose weight because you've got way too much um, um, uh, energy circulating in your body, 
but it doesn't become toxic when you mix it with carbohydrates because carbohydrates will spike your insulin. Insulin is a fat storage hormone and it just actually parts it into your um, adipose um, cells. So it, you can really relax about fats, whether you've got enough fats or too many fats, making sure though that you don't eat carbohydrates, a lot of carbohydrates with the fats that you're taking on board. So that's just how the physiology of the body actually works. So yeah, you can eat a lot of fat, but don't mix it with carbohydrate. And when I say carbohydrate, I'm talking more processed carbohydrate. And the typical, <laughs> I see a croissant, Philippe. No, 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 definitely not a croissant. That would work. Um, <laughs> but cruciferous vegetables with high fiber and natural carbs, great, not a problem. You can do that because your body actually manages that quite differently from processed, highly processed carbohydrates. I hope that and the big that. ones is uh, big ones is pasta, right? That's what you'd yeah. call a, a highly, you know, shelf bought pasta that you get at the supermarket. That you think, you know, I'm going to have my nice spag bowl, just a bit of meat and tomato, and and yeah. that that's that's a killer, right? Absolutely, and unfortunately, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, if you eat a, you can you can still eat a high, high carbohydrate, low fact um, diet, that's fine, but then your eating intervals need to be um, changed to accommodate your body's physiology. So you need to eat, and that's where the very small amounts consistently comes in, so we don't actually spike your insulin and then just goes and change everything. Your body changes all of that carbs into fat and stores it. You know? So you've got to be very, very careful with how you eat when you eat high carb, but you can. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just more difficult to do it that way. Exactly. Let's um, let's jump into the question of um, somebody comes to you initially and they, you know, they just they want to get on track. And you know, by the way, Sean, you know, you must be the only over fifty year old on in this group with a six pack. So maybe Philippe's got <laughs> one, but he's younger. So um, so you know, it's um. It's not easy to get started. Most people think you're going to put them on water, lettuce leaves, and get them to do 28 push-ups every hour type of thing yeah. to, to get back on it. What, what are sort of the first steps? Because everybody is quite different, and some of it's cultural. Some of it's, the you know, you don't see a lot of fat people in southern Italy, and they eat what they want, so, so to speak. So, you know, sure. there's a lot of different things here. What do you do to assess somebody for a start? The first thing we do is um, uh, we actually, in the first week of our program, once we've onboarded them, we give them the right tools and so forth, meal tracking, um, and also um, access to our e-learning platforms so they can start um, getting into the material and the knowledge to make the right decisions. But the first week of the program is actually what we call pre-learning. So in pre-learning is we've set specific macronutrient targets for you to get to and it's not a test exam type thing. We actually take 12 weeks to take it through the process to get to those macronutrient targets. But the first week, we actually say to you, keep on eating exactly what you've been eating in the past, whatever that might look like. Record everything that you are eating, but then see on the targets that we set for you what the difference is between what you are currently eating and whether it is consciously thinking about your food and thinking it's healthy or not thinking about your food, but start 
to think about your food in relation to where we want you to take you. And that week just opens people up to the idea of, oh my word, whatever I was doing is most certainly not what this program wants us to do. And of course, people that join the program say, well, we trust you to take us on this journey to actually change our relationship with food and have a better health outcome. And that's really yeah, the start. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, just we'll get into what happens after that because there's a couple of questions here. And Natasha says um, she likes organic bread toasted with organic vegan butter. The bread has no sugar, sweetened with fruit juice. Is this still not good to eat together? I, I'm so tempted to go organic vegan butter. I guarantee you is a processed food. <laughs> well, I'm going to come from a different angle, and I'm going to say that our body can manage certain amounts of carbohydrates at a time. So it doesn't matter where that carbohydrates come from. It all adds up. Your body doesn't go, bread, mm, I think bread is more um, healthy than pasta, or sourdough bread is more healthier from a carbohydrate perspective than a whole wheat bread or a seed, whatever the case might be. Your body actually just, just takes and metabolizes and distills everything right down to glucose in the, in the blood. That's as simple as it is. So if you then put too much sugar, which I use interchangeably with carbohydrates, with whether it's highly processed or not highly processed, or sugar or fructose, which comes from fruit, all of that, if you take it down to one specific measurement, um, it is glucose in the blood. So if that actually increases the glucose in the blood to a level where you get an insulin spike, it means your body is just gonna store that energy. You're probably not gonna have access to that energy, it's just gonna store it. So and specifically, if you go organic, non-organic, your body doesn't go, oh, it's organic. And I'm talking from a energy supply perspective. It just goes and says, I'm storing this energy that's in oversupply. So I know that doesn't exactly answer Natasha's question, but it's important to note that you need to measure how much glucose you're, you're putting into your bloodstream to be able to know what the outcome is going to be. And that is different for each and every person. Yeah, very good answer um, there, Sean. And, you know, it's interesting. Um, a lot of, you know, the health shops now are big on the peanut butter smoothies and things like that, but there's lots of fat in that. Um, mm -hmm. Coming back to Philippe's question up there, um, I was told diet and weight loss was 85% diet and 15% exercise. How mm -hmm. true is that? That's absolutely, absolutely true. As a matter of fact, in our program, we actually start talking to people about possibly exercising. And when I talk about exercising, I'm just saying moving more than what they did last week. You know, whether we were sitting on the couch and then just maybe going for a walk in the garden, that's moving more. That's fantastic. But we only start talking about that in week six of our program. Once we know that we've gotten the carbohydrates under control and the energy that we put into our body under control, because what happens is the moment you start exercising, you increase your appetite, even without you even knowing it. So you start eating more. If your diet isn't sorted out, you are actually just working against yourself. So the more you exercise, the more, excuse this, but crap you put into your body, it actually just balances itself out and people can't lose weight. Even 
working really hard from a physical or an exercise perspective, you're not going to lose weight and you're not necessarily going to get healthier. Um, diet comes first every time. Um, you need to fix that first. Sean, how much does a person, if they've got a developed sense of intuition, which most people don't have, to be fair, but you know, I think the people on this call do have, how much does that play a role in them intuitively knowing what their body wants? Um, or do you think that they just should follow a program and, and forget intuition? What are you feeling? That's an awesome question. I'm going to answer that with um, just referring to, unfortunately, I don't have the slide with me. I'm just going to refer back to a slide that I saw a while ago. And it was um, on the American population and what macronutrients they were eating over the last 50 to 60 years. And the interesting about the slide was that the, the amount of protein that people were eating stayed constant through the 50, 60 years. And as we know, our diet has changed a lot over the last 50 to 60 years. I mean, we were um, late 1960s, early 70s, we were still eating. Most people were cooking their own foods and they were cooking from fresh and so forth. And you hardly had an obesity um, problem in America. As a matter of fact, I think uh, uh, like 15, 16, 70% of the American population were obese. In 2030, 50% of the American population is going to be obese. That was the, the change. So, but what happened through that period was, although the diet was changing, more fast foods, more processed foods were coming into the supply chain, people were still eating the same amount of protein. But fat and carbohydrate consumption was doing this. And the food was changing, but what caused this? And the thinking is that our bodies are still in tune to, to get us to eat protein. So now what we are doing, we're eating a, a, um, a, a spaghetti bolognese, for instance. So we've got this massive pasta with a bit of bolognese on top with where really the nutrients are. And we eat this and three hours later, we're hungry again because our body is saying, I didn't get a lot of nutrients in here. I just got empty energy through the carbohydrates that I was eating and it's making me hungry again. So, and our body actually, our gut to our brain, our gut tells our brain how much nutrients we actually got on board. And then our brain through hormones signals for us to be hungry. A lot of people think that we are hungry because our, our stomachs are empty. That doesn't work that way. We actually go hungry because of a hormonal response. So, and if we, so come back to this intuition thing, our bodies actually determine how much we eat based on the amount of nutrients it seeks to keep itself healthy. Now, what we've done is in the last 50 years, have a top, top down approach to try and manage our health. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. It's actually a bottom up approach. Our bodies manage our health. And it tells us we want to eat more because we need protein, which actually carries most of the nutrients our body needs. Now, whether that protein comes from animal proteins or from, um, uh, from plant proteins, plant-based plant proteins, that's a whole different discussion. But intuitively, our body actually unconsciously manages our nutrient intake by telling us to be hungry more often. If our food that we are eating are not nutrient dense. So our program goes and say, well, let's just turn this around. 
Let's give you nutrient-dense foods and then see how your body actually manages your energy intake. And that's where people lose weight, lose the energy toxicity, and your body gets time to actually heal itself. Blood um, glucose goes down, blood pressure normalizes. All these things start happening within six to eight weeks of being on the program, which is just fantastic. Yeah, it is fantastic. And I, I think, you know, the results you've got for people, and we can talk about those in a, in a little bit of fantastic. I just want to go back to the chat for a second because this popped up. Um, Philippe's put in here, you can't outrun a bad diet. Um, a great quote from a couple of weeks ago. But yeah. one of the things that Lundy and I were talking about just yesterday we're on, as we are on a flight um, was, let me put it politely and not try and be too generalistic here, yeah. but a lot of people are taking diet and health advice from um, diet and health gurus that are in their 20s. Now, I was in my 20s once too, right? I loved being in my 20s and my 30s and my 40s and my 50s, right? Um, but, but the fact of the matter is, if you're taking that type of health advice from somebody whose body is not yet old enough to experience putting on weight, to have an insulin problem, to you know have protein spikes, et cetera, et cetera, then do they really know or is it wise to go to somebody who's in their 40s, 50s, 60s, whose body's been through all this turmoil in their life that, you know, maybe they've had three children and now they've got their, their, themselves back to like their, their 20 year old self or something like that. To me, that's got a lot more credibility. And I, I'm wondering if you feel that the industry per se lacks credibility at the moment, or, or if you have a comment on that, then we're going to go to uh, what Stephanie said after that. Yeah, uh, yeah, my great comment. Um, I think firstly, um, I agree with you and maybe I agree with you because I'm on um, our side of 50. So it's easier to agree with you. If you ask a 20 year old, he's gonna tell you a very different thing. But from my perspective, most certainly, you know, I, I most certainly believe in this thing. If you, um, um, you can't say that you know if you haven't done. So not um, uh, not uh, uh, knowing and not doing is not knowing. And I think one needs to experience exactly what happens in, with your body after your 40s um, and later on after you've actually not lived a healthy lifestyle in your know, 20s and 30s, which we typically tend to do, um, whether consciously or not consciously, because you're not seeing the impact of that unhealthy lifestyle. But we all know by the 40s, we start um, actually cashing those checks that we wrote um, when we were 20 years old. So uh, I wouldn't say that there are, I think in any industry, there are people out there that selling a product um, for the money. Um, and one really has to look at the results of what they are doing and what their program is. And one really needs to also try and follow advice, but see what works for you personally. That really is to me the best possible thing and way to look at this and to go and um, make sure that one checks out testimonials and checks out what the records of their performance really is. Um, and saying that, 
I feel much comfortable going to people that actually lived a process. Um, like myself, you know, I struggled for 20 years and then only I got an answer. Um, and now we are running a program where people are really seeing the results, which is really fantastic. It's not the only way to do it and to be healthy, but most certainly we are getting the results. So yeah, check out check out the credibility of... Um, yeah, I think so too. And, and, and that's not to say that there aren't younger people doing amazing things. Mm. I'm not definitely not saying that. I'm just giving a general statement. Stephanie yeah. says here, would you agree that conscious eating, i.e. think before you eat on why would you eat this now, maybe out of habit, et cetera, is a way to go? Well, that is a very powerful statement. And that's something that we teach people. That's one of our fundamentals in our program is to, to talk about hunger. You know, we talk about four types of hunger, stuff like hedonic hunger, associative hunger, energy hunger, nutrient hunger, how to actually uh, recognize those different hungers and to ask yourself every time you feel like eating, saying, am I hungry? Am I eating because I'm associating eating with being with certain people, being at a certain place? Let's meet for, um, for lunch. You know, I might not even be hungry, but I'm eating again for no particular reason. So absolutely being conscious and being aware is the first step to asking the questions about what is healthy, whether it's eat or not to eat. And then the next question is, what do I eat? How does it make me feel? And then you start thinking about food. You typically go down a path where you find a way of eating that is healthy for you. At some stage, you'll get to that point. And I thought it was a great question to a great point because, you know, I found myself in, in restaurants where I just feel like eating a starter mm. and I'm not that hungry, but because I don't want the waiter running around and I feel bad for the restaurant owner and it's been COVID, <laughs> I order a meal just because I want to support them, but I don't really want it. Yeah. And then I find myself eating it. So yeah. that's a funny thing. Yeah. Um, Philippe says... I'm the one doing the dishes at home most days, often a lot. It's a blessing because it means we cook fresh food. Well, that's that's the other thing is, I mean, it's so easy now um, to to just go and get something. Where where I lived in or where Lundy and I lived in Auckland, we had 47 restaurants within 500 metres of our house. Yeah. So, you know, we had Thai, we had Cambodian, we, we had all the Asian cultures, we had a, a nice... Danish and a place where you had a, a Netherlands poffigee specialist. I mean, it was like, it was all going on. So, uh, you know, yeah. it's just so easy to do these things, mm. especially when you're busy. So, yeah. and, and you know, going to the supermarket's painful. Mm. Yeah. And, and choice, you know, that's the thing. If you, if you look at the, the, the processed food industry, I mean, I think the last graphic I saw, there were about seven companies worldwide that were providing most of the packaged food that we find yep. in the shelves. And I can promise you right now, none of those companies really has as their top, top, top priority, your health in mind. They well, have... some of them, the biggest shareholders of Pfizer, you know, so yeah, exactly. So it really pays to keep us in this um, constant struggle for our health. But I mean, let's not get into that. That's a whole <laughs> different discussion. All I'm saying is you look, walk into a grocery store 
about 90% of the floor space there is pure poison for your body. Your body doesn't want that. It doesn't need it, and you need to stay away from it. If it comes in a package, be very careful about the impact of what that's going to have on your body. Eat fresh, eat whole, eat what we ate as humans 100 years ago. That's where we need to go back um, and yeah. eat fresh and whole foods. Absolutely. Um, Philippe says Pringles have 300 scientists working on how to hook you on the brand, flavor, texture, etc. Uh, yeah. And they wouldn't be they wouldn't be isolated in that either. Sure, no, tell, tell me about exactly. Tell me about um, you know a couple of the results that you've been able to get for people with uh, with relatively diversified um, chronic illnesses or or problems that they come to you because it's not all about just losing a few extra pounds, is it? I mean, uh, it's, no, it it's about people who have dealt with long-term health issues and, and it's, it's change of diet, change of um, outlook in it, and it really helps. Yeah, absolutely. There are so many different facets to this. Um, I think of, I remember the three things that we actually, um, the major things we talk about is weight loss, diabetes, and um, chronic um, inflammation. Now, if you start distilling um, those three main areas, it really distills into a lot of different stuff. Let's talk about chronic inflammation, for instance. We had a, um, a woman that suffered very badly from fibromyalgia. Now, that is a very painful um, inflammatory condition. And she suffered from it, or she su suffered um, of it for a very, very long time. I mean, she was bedridden. She couldn't um, really engage in life. Uh, uh, relationship with her children were really, really tough because she was always in a bad mood, always in pain, um, really bad. Eight weeks into the program, she walks around, she walks up steps, she actually has a whole new life, a relationship with her children changes. Why? Because too much carbohydrates actually causes a lot of low-level chronic inflammation. We actually got to her to the point where she had the inflammation down enough so her body can actually start kicking in again and to start healing her. That's one um, uh, very good example. Another great example, we find it a lot. People come to us to lose weight. Uh, we want to lose weight. But then we find out they've got elevated blood glucose. They're actually diabetic. They haven't been diagnosed or they might have been diagnosed. We get to control blood glucose levels. When I say control, get them under pre-diabetic levels, which is less than 5.8 uh, millimole per liter within a couple of weeks of really going and cutting out a lot of carbohydrates. So that's the other thing that's just amazing. Consistently, we find that. And then the other thing that we also consistently find is blood pressure. As we know, blood pressure is very highly associated with a lot of other stuff. But what it actually, for most people that's suffering from blood pressure, this is just a quick tip, is your kidneys start um, uh, um, uh, retaining sodium when you eat a lot of carbohydrates. So it's like a petrol filter, in an inline petrol filter. As the kidneys, which is our body's filters, start clogging up with too much sodium, it actually increase, increases the pressure in the whole system, and that's blood pressure. So what we do is we get rid of the carbohydrates in the diet or get them down, right down, and then your kidneys release the sodium. And what happens? Blood pressure balance started, starts balancing out. 
within about seven to eight weeks of the program. So those are just examples of people finding great, really great examples. Um, before I get into the, the next uh, questions and that, folks, if you want to go and have a look at what Sean's doing, um, go to www.16, that's 16-hours-hrs.com, 16-hrs.com. And you can, you can check him out there. Um, Philippe said, do you have something for Crohn's disease? He has a couple of friends who have that. And also, what are your views on fasting? Great, two great questions. Um, irritable bowel syndrome, um, Crohn's, any digestive system issue does really well with getting rid of eating too many um, carbohydrates. Um, as a matter of fact, there's a lot of interesting papers out going carnivore diet for Crohn's disease and people are really doing exceptionally well on that. I would most certainly go check that out, go Google that. Um, very, very good results. Um, and then um, on fasting, I'm an absolute advocate of fasting and that's where the 16 hours comes from. Um, we actually, when you start eating correctly and well, when I say correctly, um, once again, that's a whole new definition for each and every person. But if you start eating highly nutrient dense foods, your body actually naturally goes into a roughly a 16, eight fasting rhythm. Um, without being hungry. So that's also one of the things we fix the diet. And then once the diet is ready, then I, I would ask somebody, um, are you hungry in the morning when you wake up? And people would go, well, now that you mention it, actually not. So well, eat when you are hungry and people then actually break their fast, typically at about 10, 11 o'clock in the morning and then they fast at 16 hours without even trying. So, but, 16 uh, uh, fasting at least 16 hours and maybe a bit longer if you can kick starts autophagy which is your cell renewals process uh, renewal process which actually does amazing stuff to um, reduce the tempo at which we are aging which is just gives amazing results so the real fountain of youth is fasting there you have it, folks. The real fountain of youth is fasting. Well, that's fantastic. Um, I've just got one more question, and it's really a for interest question, Sean. And then after that, um, if anybody else has got a, a last-minute question as we start to bring this to a close. But um, one of the things that I've noticed in people as they shed long-term weight so let's just say they started putting on weight in their 20s. They held it through their 30s. It's, they're now in their late 40s or early 50s. And, and they now start to shed weight and it starts to go. Then you see, seem to hit this sort of stop patch. And then you've still got this chunk of weight that just won't go. And then it starts to release. When that mm. starts to release, what I often see in these people is that in that hardcore fat that's been there forever there is a lot of emotional issues that are stored just like a battery it's like this fat stores the emotional issue you know my partner left me i lost my job uh some business partner ripped me off in 1984 etc cetera, etc cetera, and all of these things get stored there um do you have any advice or insights for people who are starting to feel 
are emotionally very upset through the weight loss process? Absolutely. I think the best thing that one can do is to find people and the community that actually can support you that is going through the same process. And that's part of our program is to actually go through these 12 weeks as part of a group. So we support each other. And then after the, the, the end of the 12 weeks, which really only just sets you up for the start of your health journey for the rest of your life, because you now have the knowledge and you've got the habits to keep on refining as you go on and to be healthier and healthier as you, um, um, as you continue, is to find support. And it, not necessarily in 16 hours for life and the group, but have an accountability partner, somebody that you can talk about that can actually go on this journey with you as well. Because we don't know, as you say, as the layers start coming off, what is going to be revealed. But we most certainly find that if people focus on one area in their life, which in this case, nutritional health, they start finding out that focusing, concentrating, and also applying themselves to get great results, they then start thinking, well, finance, um, relationships, all of these things, if I actually start focusing in the same way, I'm also getting better results. And they become more conscious and self-aware, which also helps for this emotional journey. That's fantastic. Um, folks, we're sort of uh, coming to the end of our time here. Sean, uh, any final things that you want to wrap up with before we, uh, before we say goodbye? Yeah, um, I think... As part of this discussion for me also once again came out that a health journey um, is a personal journey. You know, each and every one of us must find what works for us physically, um, emotionally, mentally, but go out and ask these questions, speak to people, do research, use yourself as your own experiment, what work experiment, what works for you, you know, Go for a week and, and only eat pasta and see what happens. Go for a week and only eat vegetables <laughs> and see what happens. Only eat meat, see what happens. Do a combination of that, see what happens. But what works for you in a sustainable ma uh, manner? Can you continue doing this for months, years on end? And keep experimenting. Use you as an experiment and find out what works for you. Because, but, and don't just believe what a brand manager says about health, because that, I promise you, doesn't work. No, it doesn't. Sean, thanks so much. Um, folks, go to 1616-hours.hrs.com if you want to find out more about Sean and what he's doing. Sean, I want to thank you for being on today's call. And folks, thanks for being here. I think it was a great discussion. Um, and I think... Uh, you know, there were so many good tips in this that uh, it's worthwhile going back and re-listening to this and, and making some notes. So have a fantastic week ahead, folks, and uh, we'll see you later. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure.